You're listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. I'm the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. I've been practicing exclusively divorce and family law for the past 16 years. Everyone has a story. I interview them. Wake Up Call is an opportunity for you to hear inspiring stories from people who are making hard decisions, overcoming their fears, and living their most authentic life. Here again for another edition of Wake Up Call podcast, the roundtable series. And I have a really fun group today. You guys are going to see what I mean because I don't know. There's like a really good vibe, like a good energy. I don't know if it's because it's Thursday. I know I'm always a day ahead. I, I got to fix that. I don't know what's going on. Um, but today we are going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to me. And I know you guys as well, having known you outside of the podcast, um, we're going to talk about how to start and grow a law firm that serves you. Yes, it really is possible. And just in case my panel needs an introduction, Heather Keith of Keith Family Law in New Jersey. I just realized you guys are all from New Jersey. Wonder how that mm-hmm. happened. Jersey strong. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Berger of Jacobs Berger in Marstown and Stephanie Hunnell of the Hunnell Law Group. And I think you're in Asbury. Yep. And where is your office, Heather? Uh, Westfield. Okay. I, I almost at this point, because of after the pandemic and now that my firm is virtual, it almost doesn't even really matter where you are. So... Yeah, it matters a lot less. You know, yeah, it really does. Um, So that's actually kind of relevant to the topic today, too, because I think that has helped me with my firm. Um, But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because you guys all know, and probably most of the viewers know, that my firm's virtual quite some time ago, several years ago, I really backed out of doing a lot of legal work at my firm. I did the traditional thing. You know, I was a lawyer, I was an associate at a firm, and then I started my own firm. And then I partnered with someone with John Knocklinger and we created New Jersey Divorce Solutions. And I did like the usual thing that I think most of us do. I practiced law. I ran the business too. And, you know, I was trying to single-handedly do both of those things, which I think you can't do very well when you're trying to do everything. And I want definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. But then I just came to a point where I was like, you know, I just don't want to practice law anymore. But what am I going to do now? And I just changed my routine. You know, I kind of backed out of practicing law, doing that very actively, but I ran various aspects of the firm. And so many people, when I tell them I do that, I just get this stare like, what? What do you mean? How do you do that? What are you talking about? And it still happens. It still happens. So I wanted to talk about this topic with people that I know have done this themselves to let people know that you, you can, and you should have a law firm that serves you. You know, you didn't just buy yourself a job when you started your own law firm. No, it can and should serve you. So whatever you want to do, if you want to focus on practicing a lot because that's what you love, well, I want to know what's wrong with you if that's the case. But if that is what you want to do, you can. 
But then you have to find other people who are going to handle the management aspect of things because you can't do all of it and do all of it well. Or in my case, you know, do more of the management and less of the actual practice of law. So maybe you guys could kind of describe what, where you are with your firms and what you actually do and, and your vision for your firm. Let's start with Heather. Well, I, I'm with you 100%. I mean, seriously, if you want to practice um, the, you know, a lot of people really do like, they like to practice law. Um, and, and <laughs> I mean, I think we all kind of giggle about what, you know, you said like, I want to know what's wrong with you because yeah, it's stressful. It's totally stressful. And, uh, you know, we, we could all tell stories, but in any case, uh, I, I think it really starts with, you have to start firing, firing yourself from different roles. So no matter what it is you want to do. So if you want to practice, then you need to start backfilling in those other, uh, areas that you are currently fulfilling in your practice. Um, for me, the big awakening was like, oh my gosh, like if I don't have a person attached to whatever it is I'm talking about, like whether it's marketing or intake or, um, or, or sales or the actual production of the legal work, if there isn't a person attached to that, then the person is gonna be me. So if I really wanna focus on say, I'm, like I'm coming to you live from the bridal suite of the Forest Gate Country Club, at uh, the um, Council for Collaborative Practice Group's annual meeting. So, so for example, if I just re really wanna dive into that and be like, I wanna be a collaborative practitioner, then there's a whole series of things that I now need to backfill um, in terms of billing, in terms of bookkeeping, in terms of administration, in terms of hiring, in terms of marketing, in terms of this and this and this. There is a big laundry list of things that I, if I'm gonna do this over here, then I must, must, must find other ways to get these other things done. A number one, if you can't, you if you try to do it all, it that is like the fastest way to burn out. That said, you kind of have to do that at the very beginning. You kind of have to bootstrap a little bit at the beginning. But for anybody who is going to be, I think, successful in the long run, you just have to re just become aware, first of all, of just that inventory of things, uh, of roles and responsibilities that occur in any law firm before you can get to that tipping point where your firm starts to serve you instead of the other way around. Yeah. So now, where are you with your firm? Are you doing any litigation or, you know, representation at this point? No, I'm, I'm out of my case. I'm winding down my last, uh, I think I've got three collaborative cases that are in the final throws. And after I'm not taking new cases. In fact, I have to uh, actively, uh, you know, and P I'm still doing the consultations at this point because, um, you know, next on the checklist is finding somebody else to do the consultations. But I have to explain that I'm not going to be, you know, in that conversation, I say, okay, based on what you've said, I have the perfect attorney for you. So now I have a senior associate, a junior associate. I have another uh, mid-level associate coming on in August. I have another senior associate that I'm in negotiations with. So, so I'm populating my factory. Why? Cause I don't really want to practice anymore. Like yeah. I kind of did my, I kind of did my bit. And frankly, I'm really much more excited about creating, uh, creating, first of all, a business, right? So I did this as a hobby for a long time without realizing it. So I threw my heart and soul, my time, my money, my attention, my this, my that into, into trying to practice and trying to sort of run the business. But I just really didn't know what I was doing. I lost a lot of opportunities before it finally, I finally dialed in and got, by the way, just got help from someone else yeah. because it, it, by way of coaching and we can kind of go into that if you want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I by way talk of just like that. education. Sure. Um, 
and, so, and then well, that's when I realized well, I, I, was I like, know that I'm I know that at least Heather and Jamie have done how to manage a small law firm. Did you ever do that, Stephanie? No, I never did that. I but I am doing Allison's um, law firm mentor. Okay, so we all know, um, you know, for the people like in in the click, uh, if you will, I've interviewed Allison Williams a bunch of times, and everybody knows that she's the law firm mentor. If you don't know, you have to check her out. I'll actually put a link to her in the comments. But she's another wonderful coach that teaches lawyers how to build and grow their firm and have the law firm that they want. Um, so, and Heather, your proof that you can do this, that you can have your law firm and you don't have to actually practice law to <laughs> be successful doing that, but yeah, you can um, have your Jamie, business and eat it too. Yes. Sure. Yes. That's right. So Jamie, <laughs> let's move on to you. Like, what does your law firm look like right now? And what is your role in it? So we are in, so I have, I have a partner, Sarah Jacobs, and we're in the process of really transitioning out of the legal work uh, affirmatively. You know, we've sort of said it said it this way for, for the last couple of years. We have a wonderful team of attorneys that works with us and support staff. But but to Heather's point, you know, you really need that factory and that backbone in order to be able to do it. And I think for a while I was actually more reluctant than Sarah was. Sarah would have would have would have been out a, you know a year or two ago. And it, you know, it was sort of a foreign concept for me. I think we all come from these litigation backgrounds. I came from a large firm and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, that mentality is sort of ingrained in you that if you're not, you know, pounding paper and it took, it took a little while for me to catch up with the help of coaches and, and talking to people like Christina and, and, you know, other law firm owners that it, this is what we want. And, you know, running the business is so exciting to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer who loves math. So I'm a, I'm very big on, on the metrics and the numbers and Sarah loves marketing and wants to do more of that. So we really have a nice division of, of responsibilities in our firm. And one of the things that, that Heather said, you know, sort of rang true, we've done it all in our firms, right? We've run every single aspect. So the, the benefit is that when you're bringing people in to backfill certain positions, and if you want to be the person who's in court all the time, that's great but you have to be able to have somebody there to manage the firm. So, um, you know, we really, we're in transition, but it's, it, we've spent a lot of time, you know, sort of on the mindset of, you know, we, we are entrepreneurs by heart and, and that's really what drives us in our, in our practice. I love it. I love, I love when I hear other attorneys are backing out of law. I don't know why. Maybe it just validates, you know, me like, it's not me. I'm not the only one. <laughs> what about you, Stephanie? Tell us what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm going to be the unpopular opinion because I actually really still enjoy practicing. I enjoy litigation. I enjoy the minutia of some of the tougher cases. Um, not so much, uh, you know, emotionally tough because I, I can do without all of the drama of some of my clients. But when there's complex um, uh, legal strategies, I'm in, I love it. I'm like immersed in it and I want to do that all day. Um, so, but I've reduced my number of cases that I'm taking. Um, every, the, the team that I have is taking all the work. I have support staff, I have attorneys that are doing the work, um, that I don't necessarily want to do anymore. So I'm probably, let's say billing 10 to 15, 10 to 12 hours a week. Um, and I'm enjoying that because it's enough of law but it's also enough of the uh, management that I'm allowed to do. And I have to thank you, Christina, because it took me a long while, but you put me on to David Nagel mm, four or five years ago, I think. And that just changed my perspective on everything. So I've been running my firm since 2007. 
Um, well, I should say the firm was running me really originally, you know, working 60 plus hours a week, seven days a week. I remember going to bar function and like bragging about how I had 45 days straight. I haven't had a day off. The next person was like, oh my gosh, I'm at 35. The next one was like, it's been 60. And that's nothing to brag about. Um, but I also was surrounding myself with the same type of mindset people that thought that is the way it's supposed to be. And it doesn't have to be that way. I don't work Mondays. Um, I might do some administrative work for a couple of hours, but otherwise I don't work Mondays. If I don't have court, I'm off on Friday. So I do my work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, essentially. Um, you know, the, the, my staff has the option to do that. They have flex, like flex Monday and flex Friday. So I only expect them to be really like nine to five in their seats on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, as long as the work is getting done. So I've created an atmosphere in a law firm um, that I'm really now proud of. And I really think I can fine tune and tweak to recreate it someplace else. I love that. I'm actually glad that there is somebody in the group that wants to practice law because it, I, I don't mean to, you know, I'm being funny about it, but I don't mean to hate on anybody who wants to practice law. If that's, you know, there was a time when I did really love practicing family law. And then there was, became a time when I didn't love it anymore. But if you love it and whatever your practice area is, if you love it, then, then that's wonderful. And you should do that. But when I say build the law firm that you want, you can pick and choose the things that you want to do. So I, you know, that's the part that I see so many people struggle with is just drowning like that when they feel like they have to do everything and they're not hiring people. And, you know, for some people, you start a law firm with this passion for whatever, you know, your vision is practicing law or, or building something. And then at some point, a lot of people end up hating it because it just becomes a terrible burden to have to just juggle all these balls in the air. And for those people, I want them to know that you don't have to do that. You know, you really can find the parts of the firm that you like to do, that you want to do, that you're good at, and you can outsource or, you know, delegate those other tasks that you don't want to do, or maybe that you're not good at. Cause that was a big thing I had to learn is I'm not good at everything. And I, just because it's something that needs to get done, it doesn't mean that I should be the one doing it, especially if I don't know how and I'm not good at it. Well, the name of the program is Wake Up Call. And I feel like uh, I have experienced a similar wake up call. A lot of us are overachievers and we're like, yes, we have to do this because we're the only people on the planet who can do it and nobody else can run a case like me. I mean, I remember when I fired my, fired when I hired my first associate and I was like, it's impossible. There's no way she could do a case as well as I can. And you know, the, the reality is she does it better. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's interesting. So there's like a serious, I think there's like a serious growth. Like there should, you know, I'm sort of like, um, you know, HTM has has the sort of anti-doctrine of sacrifice, right? So a lot of us uh, lawyers are specifically like, oh yeah, like you were saying earlier, Stephen, like, oh, I worked 45 hours yesterday and I, I still have 27 to go. I'm like, wait, wait, we're bragging about this? Like, wait, what? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and, and my this client owes me $25,000 and I'll probably never see it, but I'm still going to trial. I'm like, wait, wait <laughs> why do we think we have to do all these things? And, and I think that when people get inspired and they want to practice law and they just want more of it and they want more of it and they want more of it. And so you, you, you end up doing like all the roles and all the things. And then this, this little burnout creeps in because you're doing all the things so you're doing like your your ARs, you know, your accounts receivables 
falling behind because you're not the best person to do it and your your marketing is not thriving because you're not that you're not available to do it and to serve your clients at the same time and i i just remember there was a huge moment when i was like man i need i need help like i just i just need help and and the first thing i have to do is shift my mindset that i'm not the person to do all these things like i cannot clone myself and even so there are people out there who love to do marketing who love to they're they're weird but they love to do billing they love to do like collections they love to do like xyz i mean nagel talks about this too people love sales they're they're out there the people are out there who love to do those things that you're burdening yourself you know that i see that other yeah. people and and I did myself burden like I figured well oh I have to do all of this I have to do all this and that's when I started hating I'm like something's got to give something has well, every, to give here everyone's got their own stuff right like you know I'm so mm -hmm. glad you brought up David Nagel because anybody who knows me it's sort of become a joke with my close friends is you cannot have a conversation with me on any day without me somehow bringing David Nagel into the conversation <laughs> uh, I have a friend who's her new thing now is who's that who's David Nagel <laughs> um, I will if you do not know who david nagel is anybody watching you you need to find out i will have a link in the comments and he really addresses a lot about mindset and i want to spend a few minutes talking about that because some people watching might be like okay well tell us what to do right now just give us a laundry list of things we need to do and you know it doesn't quite work that way because the very first thing that you need to work on is your mindset and it's you know some of the things that you ladies have brought up already is you know if you've if you think you can do it, you'll do it. If you think you can't, then you won't, right? Like, I think that's been attributed mm -hmm. to Henry Ford is if you think, whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right. Yep. And so if you think that you have to be the person, well, you know, doing all the work, well, I have to do the consultations because nobody else is going to sell the way that I can. And I have to work on the files and I have to do oral argument. I have to go to trial and I have to do all this because I'm, as Jen McCaskill would say, anyone who knows her, I'm big fancy lawyer. So I have to do it. Okay. You are a big fancy lawyer, but you don't have to do everything. And as soon as you can really understand that and appreciate that and believe it, then you're really going to see a change. Mm -hmm. So I know you worked with David Nagel, but what did, what did you Heather and Jamie, what did you guys do to, to really work on that mindset piece? You know, I, I think for me, um, and I, I do know David Nagel, obviously anybody who talks to you knows David Nagel. I think he actually somehow ended up in my Facebook, in my messages today. I got a message from him. I have a feeling uh, that was as a result of a workshop I did this weekend through HTM. So, um, but it's, you know, for me, the the personal development um, really came through therapy, honestly, and, and sitting down and talking to um, a therapist and working through some of the issues that I didn't realize were bleeding into every aspect of my life with my kids, with my husband, with my, with my firm, with my partner, you know, my partner, we are in a, we are in a marriage, right? So, you know, the way we communicated the way, um, you know, and it took a lot of time and a lot of trust building, um, but really looking introspectively to see what I was contributing to that. So, um, and, and the coaching has been invaluable, um, in that respect too. Um, I haven't done David Nagel yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm inching, inching closer to doing it. Well, David has a podcast. So, you know, anybody who ha doesn't know who he is, I think his podcast is a great introduction. It's called mm -hmm. the successful mind podcast. I'll put a link to that too. And I, mm -hmm. start there. You know, he's yeah. got so many other wonderful programs out there and I'm sure you'll find something that works, but 
it's a process. It's not like you go to a David event one time and you're like, oh, I'm cured. I, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is just becoming self-aware, you know, becoming aware of what you really want. You know, something for me, like you guys all know that I'm kind of inching my way out of law really totally and going to Columbia in the fall for journalism, which I'm excited about. Thank you. But <laughs> I, you know, I don't think that I would have ever even given myself permission to do that if I didn't work with David Nagel, like beginning years ago, because I always had this attitude like, well, my God, I went to law school. You know, I'm this big fancy lawyer now this is who I am. This is what I do. How am I going to just leave that now? And I'm going to just go do something else. Like, who am I if I'm not big fancy lawyer? And I do think that a lot of people sort of struggle with that. I, I've had so many conversations with lawyers that say, well, I don't want to do this anymore, but what the hell else am I going to do? You chart a path. It's difficult to, to, mm -hmm take a different direction. And especially after we've spent all this time and it becomes part of your DNA, you know, big fancy lawyer, it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's finding what really drives you and, and, you know, running a business is what I love to do. Um, and, and, and Sarah and I say that all the time. Like it, we, we, we are so passionate about our firm, but it could be our firm or it could be another business. It's, it's really just the, the running of, of a business. Yeah. I mean, I don't consider myself really a lawyer as much anymore. I consider myself an entrepreneur. What about you guys? And what you about know, you, Stephanie? Yeah, You know what? I wanted to say something about like starting a practice and going back. And I, I, I still consider myself a lawyer, but I also consider myself a business owner, which I didn't consider myself before. I just thought I was a lawyer that had her own law firm. Um, now I am definitely a business owner. I'm running it like a business and, you know, I'm, I'm reaping the benefits from it. But um, I wanted to say something because you touched on something. I feel like when you first start a law firm and you have to do the one extra thing and then you're doing the marketing piece and then you're doing another thing, um, it reminds me of that that story about the frog with where if they put the frog in the pot and you turn the water on real hot, the frog will jump out. But if you do it very slowly the frog stays in. And I feel like small business law firm owners are like the frog. We're type A personality yeah. and we're going to just do that one other thing. And by the way, it's faster if I just do it as opposed to delegating it to somebody else. And gosh, it's going to take me a long time to hire an assistant and, you know, go through all the interviews. So I'm just going to keep doing this part myself because it takes less time. And then all of a sudden you're doing all of the things and doing very little lawyering or not doing the lawyering very well because you can't possibly do all the things like you're saying. Um, and I think it stems also from being like type A personalities as lawyers. If you want to own your own business, you probably have the same thing. Um, and we want to do everything well. But we also need to understand that we can delegate very well as, as well. Yeah. And, you know, I was, maybe I could ask you guys this question because now that I'm, um, you know, shifting gears, I do look back on the eight or so years that I've had a law firm and I sort of give myself advice. Like what advice would I have given myself starting eight years ago? knowing what I know now, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Cause one of the things is definitely that I did not hire people and delegate tasks as early as I should have. And I think my life could have been so much easier and my growth would have been better 
if I had done that earlier and just acknowledged that I can't do all these things. And I know a lot of us like to complain that, oh gosh, I gave my associate or whoever this and they didn't do it right. And then I had to do it because we're so great because we have to be like, you know, the, the great one in the office. If you have that kind of situation happening in your office, you're just not hiring the right people. You don't have, or you're not training them and coaching them properly. You know, there's, it's still something that you're doing. Or both. Yeah. You know, it could be a variety of things, but it starts with you. So it's not so easy to just say, well, I guess I have a bad paralegal. I'm just going to fire her and go find someone else. That's not going to fix the problem because you are still hiring those people. You're still probably unwittingly looking for certain characteristics and certain qualities that maybe don't serve you. And, and that's again, where the self-awareness comes in. Um, so I want to ask you specifically for people that want more of the nuts and bolts, what are a couple of things that come to mind for you? If you were to look back over, you know, all the years you've been managing your firm, what would you have told your younger self? Oh, you should have done that sooner, or you should have done that differently. Cause for me, it was definitely hiring people that are you know, earlier and not being afraid of the salaries that I have to pay them. You will make more money doing that and, you know, really training them properly. So what about for you guys? Well, for me, if I, I'll just jump right in, um, if, if that's all right. Um, it's all, if I had to do it all over again, the first thing I would do is I would say, just get your numbers straight, get a freaking bookkeeper who knows what on earth they are doing and knows what on earth reports to give you and edu I'm talking to myself here and educate yourself as to what those reports don't be afraid they're just numbers and when you get when you look at your numbers and you understand your numbers you can read a PNL you know what your balance sheet means and you can make a meaningful projection a budget right and, and a and a budget and a business plan like i know that these are all like big you know scary words for anybody who's starting out but truly for me it's like i don't i i don't even want to talk about hiring and delegating until i know where am i going with this so what are my income goals like what what sort of total owner benefit do i want to get out of this firm that's about to serve me so the first thing i have to do is i have to look at my own life and get myself motivated and say oh you know i want to buy this kind of i want to live in this kind of a house and i want to lease this kind of a vehicle and i want to you know these are you know just add it all up and that's what i need to draw out of this business because it's a business not not a hobby like i was running it um and then when you back into those numbers like okay well if that's what you need to get out of it then let's make a plan that means after taxes. So, you know, more education about finances. So after taxes, what is it, you know, what, what are your expenses and look at your reports and look at your PL, look at your expenses in here. What is your top line going to look like your revenue line? What is that revenue line going to look like? What's your average case value? If you can pinpoint that because in family law, I don't know about y'all, but holy moly it goes everywhere from like 7,500 for your basic to like 45,000 for, you know, anything more than that and, and more and, and anything and like average case value. So we have actually sort of, you know, just side note, we've migrated into, um, projecting our numbers on an hourly basis because we're an out we're not a flat fee so we, we we look in terms of production so like how many attorneys how many attorneys do i have how many paralegals do i have what are their billable hour requirements but what are their rates so that's sort of like the bedrock that's your factory 
So once you're once you look at those kind of numbers, then you can start to say, okay, how many? What's the capacity? Okay, if the capacity is this, then how many cases do I need? You look at your cases. What do your cases look like? How, how much? Not how much do they cost, but how much? How much effort does it take to run one of those cases? How many hours can you expect to put into a, a typical haha divorce case? <laughs> like, what's it? Yeah. What's it? What does it look? Start to paint that picture. What does it look like? And then from there, all your numbers. I swear to you, the numbers. I'm just going to talk to my old self. Will drive these decisions that you have been making by looking at your emotions. So emotionally, yeah. I can't afford. I can't afford an attorney. I can't afford a senior paralegal. Let me just tell you, former self, you must afford these things because though that is how you generate the revenue in the firm to afford, say, a legal administrator that you're really going to need if you're not going to pull your own hair out later when you get to a certain revenue you know, a certain revenue level and, and, and so on and so on. But take my, my a number one advice would be, man, get familiar with these numbers by, by hook or by crook, yeah. because th that will take the emotion out of all these other decisions that you're about to make that have to do with people hiring, yeah, just, training, just, da, 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 da. just for anybody whose head is exploding right now. <laughs> don't oh, get sorry. Me scared. Okay. You know, Heather's like, she's had a long, you know, road of lots of coaching. I actually interviewed her for wake up call for the Fem Squire series a while back. So if you want to hear more details, you can listen to that, but start small. Like if you're overwhelmed yeah, with everything Heather just said, you do need to have some metrics, like pay attention to that. And please have a bookkeeper. I know people who just started out and they, they're like, Oh yeah, I don't have a bookkeeper. And they like very casual about it. You need a bookkeeper. Like you need to know how much money you're making, how much money you're spending, and then dig a little deeper into, okay, well, who's my staff? Who's on my staff? How much are they billing at? Please bill your paralegals out. It might seem basic to you guys, but do you know there are people that don't bill out their paralegals work? They should be making money for you. They're not an expense. They should be making you money. Um, but know, know these numbers, start looking at them. You know, you get better at it as you go along as Heather's proof of that. Um, yeah, start small. <laughs> one step at a time. Oh yeah. 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 And, it, and it is, it is, there's a, there's a learning curve with all of that, you know, and, and one of the things that, you know, the coaches that we work with say all the time, like the numbers don't lie. You can put on your beer goggles and you can say, you know, oh yeah, I can do this. I can do that. But if, if the numbers aren't there and really, I, I agree with Heather wholeheartedly and I won't go back into it, but just like kind of dialing in on whatever metrics you think you need to run the business. Um, and then looking to other people who are smarter than you um, and who may know more than you to help you kind of get there and and dial in on that. The other thing that I was thinking about um, is sort of, I, I and I think this was a learning thing for me, was sort of getting out of that associate mentality, you know, that notion that you have to spend all of that time billing and doing, it's taking away from the value that you can really add to your business. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to colleagues who have come from large firms and are going, you know, and there's that, that saying that we have, you hang a shingle, you can hang a shingle or you can run a business, you know, like hanging a shingle isn't the same as running a business, having a practice isn't the same as running a business and both are okay, but you kind of have to decide what you want and figure out what value you can really add um, and then and then do it you know do the things that really add value to your business whatever that whatever that is um, and so that i think that i think was really helpful when when that sort of mindset set in for for sarah and i 
Yeah. Well, and I've seen the, the growth that you guys have had and, and you have knowing you personally, like the, the change in the mindset as a parent too, over the years. Well, that's good. So it's working. Yeah. yeah it's working. It's working. Whatever you're doing, it's working. How about you, Stephanie? <laughs> Yeah, actually, when you asked me um, about this topic, I that was the first thing I was like, what would I tell my younger self? And the one of the things that came up was to document everything. So as I was starting my firm, I've never run a business before. I um, practiced law for like a year and I decided I was going to go out on my own. I was a paralegal for many years before that. And I thought I could run. I can run it. That's no problem. I know the back end. I know the front end. It's fine. I I had no, no clue what I was doing. Um, I started my firm. I had a computer box and a computer on top of that box. And I had some wires running back because I didn't know that when you have the telephone company come to put in multiple lines, they only put it into one spot. You have to hire somebody else to like run the lines into the different rooms. So I had these like 30 foot, you know, <laughs> telephone lines and it was embarrassing and I didn't take pictures. I didn't like congratulate myself when I got my new desk. I didn't like those little things that I look back at now with mm. such pride. I didn't do that. So document that stuff, but also document all of your procedures. And uh, people talk about policies and procedures. I see um, a day posted something about it in the, the chat. And it's so important when you're doing things, you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, um, you're documenting it down to like how to send an email, what should be in the reline. Because when somebody else comes on, um, it, here's an example. I had a very opinionated uh, paralegal at one point in time. And so I had everything up and running the way I wanted it to run. This paralegal came in with a lot of experience. Some of her ideas were great. Some of her ideas were not. But she revamped all of everything that I had. And at the time, the system in place was just me and my husband that we were running this office. And then she came in and then moved things around and reorganized. And that's because I didn't have any procedures or policies in place for this is how we do things. If you have a better idea, I think as a, I think as an owner, we should be open to hear suggestions because we don't always know. Um, but if we ultimately say this is the way we want things done, then here's the this is there's this is how you're doing it. Um, and you can't let people overrun you or run you over, whatever. Um, and that's one of the things that I did let happen. And I regret that immensely because now that I have everything in place, I also feel very comfortable onboarding new people because I can say, here's where you go. This is how you do things. I'm now not wasting my time showing you how to open the computer, run the email, open mail, like all of those small things that here, here's, this is, this is the, where you go. This is the folder, click the folder, go one through 25. That's, <laughs> that's where you're going to get your information. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that. Um, but I think, and Aday did put that in the comments, I think that's also really important is to have policies and procedures. So for somebody who's starting out or doesn't have these things yet, you, your reaction to what Heather was talking about with all the metrics, if your head is exploding on this now too, basically, you know, simplify it like this. Um, Kristen David was a coach I worked with in the past. And she always said, look, every time you tell someone to do something, that's a policy and procedure, write it down somewhere, you know, have some sort of manual. It doesn't have to be fancy, but something, you should have something in place uh, every time that you tell someone how to do something like this is how I want this done. That's a policy and procedure. Put it in a book somewhere so that you don't have to be the one constantly repeating yourself. So by the we way, didn't do that till too late. 
We have, absolutely. We also have all these smartphones now with the little recorder. So I have explained how to do something to someone and I've just recorded myself explaining it. And then I know what the questions that are going to be asked and then I can answer them Mm -hmm. and then it's all recorded. And then I just have that converted into a policy and procedure of how to do X. Yeah. We've even taken- It's not complicated. You don't have to make it too complicated. No, and we've there are certain things that Sarah and I have asked our, our firm administrator, you know, if she's on Zoom doing something, record yourself on Zoom and you can walk somebody through so that they can, you know, it, it's just, I'm a visual learner. You know, you if you see somebody do something once, it's just easier to repeat the task. And you know, we have we have an employee handbook and you know, we we expect that it is read and you know and referred back to, but but that's sort of a quick and easy way to just to just see somebody do something. Does anybody have a law firm administrator? Oh, oh, wow. Good. I'm impressed. So Heather (laughs) and Jamie do. I think looking back to that was something that I would have done. We don't even have one now, but we're kind of shifting gears. Definitely should have done that so long ago. That would have just saved so much aggravation and really helped the business just kind of hum along more efficiently. So, but then that's another like hiring concern. So how did you find your law firm administrator? I start with you, Heather. Oh, I mean, uh, well, I mean, it starts with a decision as David Nagel likes to say. (laughs) So I identified the need for the um, administrator. And then technically uh, I just literally posted on Indeed. And um, I have a recruiter also that I have used in the past for certain things. And I just said, hey, on the off chance that you have somebody for this position, what do you think? And he sent me a resume and I was like, ooh, I think this person's going to be a good match. And I spoke with her and we clicked and that was pretty much it. I mean, she's like opposite of me. <laughs> I'm like the creative type. I came to law very late in life. I went to, I went to law school when I was like 36 or so. Uh, so there's like a rich and varied, you know, here and there life before that. And, and the administrator has been like in the business for 35 years, knows the things. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to just take this whole bailiwick and just give it to you. Because guess what? You are so much better at this than I will ever or care to be. So that, that's what how I found What does she do? Her. Maybe that would be helpful to people is what sure. exactly does the law firm administrator do? Everything I don't want to do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and that's an answer, so, right? That's, that's an answer. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Think of every single administrative task. Think of every single administrative task. Okay, so uh, what she does, she she came in and um, so she interfaces with the bookkeeper to make sure that, because she has bookkeeping background herself. She's not the bookkeeper, but she interfaces with the bookkeeper to make sure that my financial controls are where they're supposed to be. And believe me, I don't, I, you know, I, I kind of know about that stuff, but I just really don't know that much about that stuff. So I'm leaving it with her to teach me how to do some things. But I wanted her to like order up all, you know, the new insurances to make sure that our benefits package was where it is supposed to be in the industry standard. She's going to add, you know, retirement benefits. She's going to shop them. She's going to look for the vendors. You know, she handles the vendors. She actually, uh, I hired her. And then about three weeks later, I went on a long business trip. And in the, in the interim, she found and hired a receptionist for us. And I was like, whoa, nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy because I would have like hemmed and hawed and like put the thing out and looked at all the resumes and blah 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 and like untold hours like yes that of course you know hashtag mindset like only I can do this well no it's not Mm -hmm. even true like that's like the face of the firm and she found somebody she's like yeah how about this person and I just quick zoomed with her and I was like yep that's it 
good. Done. See that that's um, what a law firm administrator can do for you. Yeah. So she does that and she managed, she actually has taken to managing the timekeepers. So she will bubble up the reports to me and say, so-and-so is not cutting it or so-and-so is like knocking it out of the park or so-and-so is not happy or so-and-so is delirious or you should really do so-and-so. We have these higher level conversations based on her experience in growing other law firms um, in the traditional way. You know, we have like kind of a more collaborative approach, but she has had experience and she kind of brings things to me. She, she paid all of our taxes the other day. Um, just, you know, all the things and she just kind of manages everybody that's, that's sounding and like a dream right now to me i'm sure <laughs> oh, to a lot of i know people. it feels wonderful but i'll tell you it's very hard to let all of that go like i have yeah. to fire myself like 30 times a day i'm like oh i don't do that anymore oh yeah yeah i don't do that anymore because she started com to complain here's part of the grow the growing pains is like she was complaining she's like i feel like my hands are tied i'm like oh man i really have to reflect on that like what does she mean by yeah. that Oh, that's a right. Good point. Because I've been like DIYing it my whole, the whole time. That's a good point. Because a lot of and people. And now I have to you, step back, you know. When you do actually get really good people, if you micromanage them, you will scare mm. them away. No bueno. You will scare them away. Like yeah. um, and it's so hard. Listen, that is, that's a hard reality as a business owner because we, you know, we, we assume all the risks. So it's our baby. It's our, you know, and, and if you, you know, I agree with that. If you don't trust the people that are there, they shouldn't be there because you're, you know, you're basically doing double duty. You're paying them and then you're insisting on doing their job. So it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. But you know, that says more about you as the business owner than it does about the employee, Absolutely. because if you can't it let can. that go, and that's again, where the mindset and the self-awareness comes in. If you are not able to do that, it says more about you. You know, there's Absolutely. a reason there's probably something not to get all woo woo, but there's like something in the way you grew up, the way you were raised, you know, the life that you've lived that you can't let other people do things that you have to be the one, you know, like a helicopter, you know, they have helicopter parents, I guess, like a helicopter boss, <laughs> you're a helicopter boss, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't just let them do their thing. Um, but you know, Oprah has this <laughs> quote that I love. She's got a lot of great quotes. Um, that's why she's Oprah, but she <laughs> says hire good people and just let them do their jobs. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's it. It's really simple. Just hire. That's a lot harder than it sounds, jobs. by the way. But, but it's also that? the most. Oh, go ahead. It's also the most liberating thing. Heather was saying it's the it's very hard, but once you're able to do it, it feels so good because you don't have to worry about that thing. And by the way, the person might make some mistakes along the way. Most of the time, as long as you have a good person, we know how to fix it. We can c correct whatever happened, um, and then they learn from that mistake as long as they're a good employee. Um, but yeah, yeah it, then it's done. You can take it off your plate. And there's such like relief when I'm not working and I know that my firm is still running. It feels amazing when I actually step back and think about it. Like, oh, crap. And that's I gotta, nice. I mean, how many attorneys are there out there that are like, how do you go on vacation? Yeah. Or I want to really want to go on vacation, but I work the whole vacation. Mm -hmm. So you I really that. don't have to it, do that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If that's if that's what you've set out to do, then you're going to do it regardless of, you know, who's in your office as backfill or otherwise. I mean, yep. yeah. and I will say, you know, a lot of the, for me, for me having a strong set of personal boundaries helps tremendously. Like my, you know, if and my partner always says like, you know, be here when you're here and and be off when you're off. Like and and I think we've worked collectively, you know, she had a different 
set of boundaries than I had. Um, and we've come to the middle on some of it, you know, at least, you know, in our communication style, but also I, I am, that was one thing that I was always very, very strict on. Like my, my personal time is my personal time. And, you know, that's, that's what allows the business to serve me too. Yeah. And you know, that's, you know, I think some people have this idea that, well, if I'm not working all the time, I'm lazy. Again, that probably comes from your mom. Sorry, moms, but you know, it does. It comes from like the way you were raised and your parents and whatnot, but it's okay. You know, you're not being lazy. You need personal time. You need time to decompress. You cannot be working 24 seven, even when you have a business. Yeah. Obviously I know that sometimes there are just like real emergencies that happen. And we, as the business owners have to deal with those, but you know, on the daily, there's not an emergency every single day. You know, it's okay. And you should have personal time for yourself. You have families, you know, you have other interests, even if you're not married and don't have kids. Cause that was always something I resented when I was a young associate is I was the single one with no kids in the group. So it was like, I was expected to always be available. Cause I mean, what else would I possibly have to do? I mean, you're not, you don't have a husband and a kid. What, what are you doing all day? Um, but whatever it is that lights you up outside of your business hours, you need to make time for those things. Like, you know, that's how you sort of fill your cup and, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that you ladies are doing those things. You know, it's, all, it's the old, you know, putting your oxygen mask on yourself before you can even help anybody else. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you're super dedicated about helping people, you know, you got to put that oxygen mask on yourself first. There's a reason for that. And I just wanted to comment on a day's comment. We haven't gotten to this piece yet, but I would love to yeah. just talk about this quickly. Pay yourself, please. <laughs> begging yes. you when I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that we've probably all been here. Um, but, uh, you know, when you, when you, you, you're an associate, you get a salary, you do something else, you start your business and then you just plow everything into your business and then you pay your first employee. And, you know, you're, you're just like struggling, struggling. So it doesn't even matter if it's like a hundred dollars a week. It doesn't matter. Just put yourself in the equation. And even if it's just for that little tiny amount, get into that habit of paying yourself because you have to pay yeah. yourself first. That that's why yeah, what, firm yeah, what are you doing this for if it's not to make money? Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean there's so many things you guys that we could talk about. Um yeah. you know but I a day you really should have been on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> next time we'll have you on next time but um yeah pay yourselves like i beat this into people like that's sort of my thing in the office that i like to do is the billing and collections which might make me a little crazy but i'm very firm about that is you know this is a business okay it might be something you love to do we of course we want to help people and and hopefully we're all doing that but you do have to get paid and anybody who expects that you're going to be flexible with your bill, that you're going to you know, just give them courtesy credits or charge them less or, you know, just not expect a retainer when it runs out. You know, to me, I think that's disrespect of you and what you do. And they don't really value what you do if they don't think that you should be getting paid for it and getting paid on time. Um, but you guys must know, maybe you've even done this to yourselves at times in the past, but there were definitely times where I would feel like, and I hear other people say it all the time is, Oh, I just feel really bad. You know, he's just got such a bad situation and he just really yeah. needs some help. Yeah. He does need help, but you didn't put him there, right. you know, or right. her you did not create that situation. You did not create this situation. Like David always talks about how, 
every single decision that you have ever made is what has brought you to where you are today. And, and it's hard mm-hmm. for people to hear, but whatever your life looks like right now, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So if it looks great and it's everything you've ever dreamed of, it's your fault, mm-hmm. right? You did that. But if it's not what you want and it's a nightmare or anything in between, it's because of decisions that you have made and that you are making. Christina, so, my yeah. first rendition of my firm, when I first started on my own, I, th- I would say the first five years or so was just a sh- shit show. And that's exactly what it was. I had six figures worth of accounts receivable. Um, Mm -hmm. I had came out of a trial, which I shouldn't have been in at $90,000 worth of debt. And I'm not saying just a hundred thousand of six figures. It was six figures, like two fifty six figures. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. insane because I wasn't prioritizing myself. I wasn't setting boundaries with my client and I was being very, passive about, okay, you're going to pay. Oh, you promise if I go to trial with you, you're going to cash in your 401k and you're going to pay me in full. Oh, guess what? You're 90,000. I'm going to reduce it to 75 because I want you to reduce your 401k. The response is, yes, you've done a great job. You won me custody of my kid, but guess what? That 401k, I really don't want to touch it because there's going to be a penalty and guess who's out? Me. Can I pay yeah, you dollars a week? Uh, yeah. Know. For the rest and, of your life. Right. <laughs> I love those a hundred dollars a week. came like for three months and then all of a sudden crickets. You know what? You are never as important. It's, your bill is never as important as when they need you. Mm-hmm. Because when it's all over, it's you're not important anymore. No. And there, there's, uh, there's a psychology to that. You know, if you let somebody, if you let somebody run, run their AR up and, you know, then, then you're working for them. Then you're, you know, you're working for them and and it it, it becomes an impossible. um, I'm, I am also Christina very into the collections side of our business. And, and it, it's hard because we want to help people, you know, we want to, we want to help as many people as we can help. But, but as you grow your business, you realize you have to be more selective about who you take in as clients and really set standards for, you know, who you're willing to work with versus, you know, as, as Stephanie said, when you start your business, you're probably taking any client off the street because you're you're nervous about whether that next client is going to come in and how quickly they're going to come in and what that's going to mean. And that that too has been a huge shift in how we operate. But that is a value uh, concern, right? Like you know, going back to Dave Nagel and mindset and stuff like that is you have to look, be able to look at yourself critically. David has this wonderful expression and at this quote, and I always forget what it is, but it's something about being able to, you know, look at parts of yourself without running away from them. And you, you need to be able to do that. And I would say that if you have a problem, uh, you know, asking for a fair fee, asking people to pay their bill and cutting them off, if they're not paying you, then I, would tell you that you have some kind of value judgment that's happening internally that you need to look at. You know, you don't value yourself enough and what you do to fully expect that someone's going to pay you your worth. And, uh, you know, one final comment for me is I think, you know, you're always telling people or showing them how to treat you right? You do that by talk, uh, setting boundaries. You had mentioned that Jamie, uh, you know, can you call me at 11 o'clock at night and I'm going to answer the phone and I'm going to, you know, interrupt my time with my family to, to deal with your problem that probably you don't need to deal with at 11 o'clock at night. It could wait till tomorrow, but you're constantly showing them. This is how you can treat me. 
No, you cannot pay your bill and I'm still going to help you. Or, you know, you can tell me, oh, I know I told you I was going to liquidate my 401k, but I changed my mind and that's okay. Um, so, you know, be mindful of those things. Um, I think uh, the quote is that you promote what you permit, right? You know, you just like, if you, if you allow it, then, then why wouldn't somebody, why wouldn't somebody do it? Yeah. Yeah, They're going to take advantage. Yeah. So um, maybe if there's like a really short, like quick, cause I, sh- I have a million ideas. Like I would just want people to know, but we don't have time for all that. So maybe um, just to end our hour, uh, see, I told you sometimes these go by so fast. Um, if, if there's like a little nugget that maybe you guys could offer like a quick nugget just to wrap up like a nuts and bolts kind of thing. Mm, well, we didn't get to time. We, we brought, we talked a little bit about boundaries. Um, I think that anyone starting out really should, um, think about boundaries. You know, if that's, if there's one thing that I could give anybody starting out, it's just like boundaries, like personal boundaries, like don't take anything personally with your cases. Um, you know, don't let your clients walk all, all over you in terms of time and money. Um, our firm turned a corner, for example, when we um, did evergreen retainers. So that really weeded out people who are, we don't have people taking advantage of us anymore, but that also required a mindset shift. Uh, that same sort of boundary issue um, with, um, was going to say, oh yeah, uh, paid re- paid consultations, right? So we we have paid consultations, and that's why because we set up that we set up that relationship right away. Thou shalt pay for legal services. <laughs> it's a thing. If <laughs> you pay your mechanic, one of your commands, you pay your lawyer. Right? <laughs> okay, I love that one. We could talk about that forever too. But um, Stephanie, do you have a little nugget for us? Yeah, I think you know if anybody wants to run a law firm that serves them. The first thing that you need to do is assess exactly what you want, not what's expected of you and not what you think you're supposed to want, but actually do some introspection and figure out what do you want out of your firm. And then you could figure out it's either practicing more or less, you know, it's running the business or not and bringing people in, but you have to assess what you really want. Otherwise, you're never really going to truly be happy running the business. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, because that's very David Nagel-ish, I wish I want to count like how many times we said Nagel. I should drink out of it. <laughs> he needs like an affiliate. Like Roxanne, only different. <laughs> but um, you know, he always says that a lot of people, when they think about what they want, they really only think about what like their goal is only what they think they can have, but not what they really want. So mm-hmm. I would say as you're thinking about that, make sure that it's what you really want and not just what you think you can have. Cause you can probably wherever you set that bar, I bet you can go even higher than that. Yeah. And, and adjust it because you, as yeah. your mindset shifts, your goals yes, change. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jamie? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think it's just, don't be afraid to make mistakes. You're going to make them learn from them you know, and, and the same goes for the people that work with you, you know, coach them through mistakes, make sure that you're, you know, giving them the resources that they need, um, make good, smart hiring decisions that are, are directed by the vision and the purpose of your firm and, and take the time in making those decisions so that, you know, you can really have this structure in the firm that, that will help it run more efficiently. Excellent. I love it. All really good nuggets. And we, I, we, maybe we should have like a part two because there's so many things that we could talk about that um, I think people would benefit from, but I hope the takeaway uh, for everybody watching today is that whatever your firm looks like now, 
I'm sure that there are plenty of things that can be improved. There's always things that can be improved, but I hope that you take away from this conversation that you can have all the things you want and whatever that looks like for you. Um, so find good coaches, find good people, listen to my podcast <laughs> and, <laughs> and you'll get a lot of those good nuggets. <laughs> I want to leave with a nugget of it's okay to be selfish. I think, um, you know, David talks about that a lot. We kind of look at that word selfish as like a bad thing. Um, but it's not, you know, selfish is self-care, right? I prefer to look at it as self-care. You know, you can put yourself first that it's okay. And like Heather said, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and don't be afraid to put yourself first. So thank you for watching. Thank you ladies for being on the show. I'd love to have you back and enjoy your weekends. Thanks for having us. Thanks for seeing us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to wake up call the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about me, you can find out more on my website, christinaprevitt.com. And be sure to sign up for my newsletter where I talk about everything that I'm reading, learning, listening to, doing, basically everything that I'm obsessed with right now. Follow me on social media. Look up Wake Up Call the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to be a guest on Wake Up Call or there's someone you'd like to hear on my podcast, please email me at wakeupcallthepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and see you next time.